Hello, hello. Welcome to Tuckered Out with me, Ami Tucker. This next guest and I met about a year ago at what you could call a podcast fellowship of sorts where we were both trying to figure out what the hell we are doing with our podcast. A year later, we have both figured it out. Arvind Ravichandran is the founder of Terra Watch Space, which is an independent advisory and communications firm focused on Earth observation. AKA, he's doing some pretty cool shit. His title is Earth Observation Evangelist, Satellite data strategist, space consultant, and mainly a generalist, uh, aka a jack of many trades and master of none, which, you know, that's me too. His mission is to make Earth observation mainstream by improving the awareness and adoption of satellite data or data. I don't know, whichever one you like. Basically, guys, he wants to have more people interested in space because guess what? There is a lot of important work going on up there that we don't know about. I hope you guys enjoy my interview with Arvind Ravichandran. So, I mean, I get your newsletters and they're amazing. But I'm like, I really want to talk to you about what you do because I know it's important. It's space. It's understanding Earth, satellites, all this stuff. But I'm going to talk to you like a layman and just ask you the basic questions here. Mm -hmm. So obviously, I know you're the founder of TerraWatch Space, Mm -hmm. which is an independent advisory and communications firm focused on Earth observation. So I understand that part. I got that on my notes. And I'm going to sum up your mission. And then you're going to teach me if I'm, tell me if I'm right or wrong here. Sure. So the mission of, of your organization is to make Earth observation mainstream by improving the awareness and adoption of satellite data. Data, depends on how you say it. Basically, you want more people interested in space and, and Earth and satellites observing the Earth and what we're learning from that. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, 100%. And I think it's, like I, you know, like you read out, right? The first part is the awareness bit, which again, right. a lot of people don't associate the importance and the significance of of satellites and space. And, you know, they just assume it's Mars and Moon and astronauts. And, you know, they don't associate that the, the weather forecast that they look at every morning uh, comes from satellites uh, or the GPS we use as Google Maps or connectivity, uh, you know, whether you're in a remote part of the world or if you're going on a flight or just, you know, walking on the street and trying to use the internet, uh, the communication can be coming from the satellites, depending on where you are. So there are a lot of aspects of space that people don't realize. So that's the awareness part. And then that's just like, okay, that's good to know. But then there's money to be made and then there are things to be optimized. So that's the commercial part. And that's where the kind of the consulting part comes in is working with companies you name a sector, it can be agriculture, it can be banks, it can be insurance. All of these folks um, can start using this data now. Well, it's been available for 50 years. Uh, the first satellite, you know, was launched five decades ago or, you know, even older than that, probably almost six decades. 
So we've had satellites, but they've been just, you know, observing, but now they are observing at a very high frequency, which means that you can see how, you know, well, we're recording it after the earthquake in in Turkey and Syria, which is absolutely horrible and people need support for, um, you know, just search and rescue and, you know, where to go, Mm -hmm. how to do things and things keep changing. And the, and what satellites can help observe is, you know, because they're there all the time, they knew how things were last week, how things were two days ago, how it is today. And, you know, where there's a, you know, a lot of rubble, uh, where they're clearing, you know, where they can go next. Um, or, you know, maybe this is the best way to reach this place. That's just a real time example of like, that's one domain of like disaster management. And the same thing can be for any other kind of industry that you can talk about. So. That's, right. that's also what I do is, you know, work with those companies and help them understand how they can optimize, you know, whether you're a, you know, company that is trying to go green and or you're a government that's trying to install more solar uh, farms in your country, you know, which is the best place to install it. Is that place right. going to be, you know, flooded in the next year? So you just made like, like five billion to build this farm. And then two years later, you just didn't see that this was in a floodplain. It's just to kind of also connect all those dots and essentially be the bridge, really. That's what I'm trying to do. It's something that day to day, none of us really even think about, right? Where this data is coming from. Like, I never think of, oh, there's a satellite out there that told me about the weather today or how to get to my daughter's ballet school or whatever it is. Like, does it cross your mind, right? Uh How important these satellites are and what we're learning from them. Um, I had an interview uh, with someone from Axiom Space maybe last year. Nice. And, you know... He talked about, and I think all of us feel this way, talked about how space is one aspect of our world that brings us all together, right? It's just, it's one thing we can all agree on. It's one thing that brings us all hope. It's kind of one thing we are all on the same side of. Uh So in layman's terms, again, what do you do day to day? So I found a TerraWatch about two years ago. So I started by myself, um, you know, independently. Because I figured that there was this gap in the market um, to do this, to offer this consulting services. So essentially what TerraWatch does is it works with, let's say, three types of customer segments. The first type is companies that are trying to launch satellites to collect the data and companies that are trying to build products from the collected data. So I work with them on their strategy and they go to market, you know, is that satellite that a market for what you're trying to launch? Is that important? Is that already available? How is that going to change what we already have? So helping them understand that and helping them set their strategy um, and also okay. help them with their communication. So the second segment is more investors. So the ones who are trying to invest in these companies, so helping them understand the market. Um, so it's pretty similar to the other one. So for companies, I look at you know competition and tell them what they can do better or what they can differentiate on. But for investors, it's kind of the same thing. It's just from their point of view, it's, you know, they want to know if the investment they're about to make is good. Are there red flags, you know, which I can say from a market perspective or from a technology perspective for them. And there are some investors who don't need to ask these questions because they have been doing this for 10 years. But then there are new ones coming up because this industry is so nascent and has just been developing in the last 10 years commercially. So that's the second category. And then the third category is the the users, so the ones who can actually benefit from all of these, agriculture, insurance, banks, and but I work with them 
to see what they're doing, right? Like, so if you're uh, if you're an energy company, right, and you have pipelines around the country or around the world, and you have to figure out that, especially now, you know, emissions, 10 years later, nobody would have cared. But then if you have a flare now, you're going to be in the media, right? So, but you have to set up your operations in a way that you can catch it before or you don't allow that to happen. You know, if there's a leak, you catch it before. Uh, if not, you know, you just grab media attention and, you know, you don't want that or you have to start reporting. If, if you uh, have any of these problems, you will just have problems more and more going right. forward. So you need to set up. So that's just an example, you know, also giving them a roadmap for this is how maybe you can adopt it, right? You don't have to spend a million dollars this year. I help them create a roadmap based on what's coming up in the industry, how they can do it in a smart way, um, in a way that it makes sense. So if they put in like, I don't know, $100,000 this year, they can get some kind of benefits that equates to that investment and then it grows over time, right? So that's like proper, let's say, strategic consulting part. So so yeah, that's kind of what I do. I work with, a, I don't have full time yet. I will have full time later this year. I work with a few freelance folks that I depend on both for like the content that I put out, whether it's in the newsletter uh, or for research purposes or helping me with the project. And there's the small, let's say, communication part to it, which is where the newsletter and the podcast comes in. The newsletter almost acts as a way for people to find find me because it's such a nascent field that the big technology consulting firms of the world, they're starting to come in. I'm talking about the Deloitte's and the, you know, the BCGs and consulting companies of the world. They're starting to come in. Um, I guess the newsletter and the podcast gives me and TerraWatch a visibility to to know that, hey, I know what I'm talking about. So, you know, you can kind of come to me if you have questions, right? So, right. So that's, that's well, when I started it, that was not how it started, right? Like, so when we met, when I yeah. was conceiving TerraWatch, I was just like, oh, I want to create a podcast that talks about space. But, you know, it didn't fit into the overall strategy. Eventually, right. yeah, eventually it kind of, you know, fit in, I think, nicely. Yeah, it always evolves. Um, and we both know how much time and effort pod, a good podcast and newsletters take. So you are you are definitely doing a lot. And you said it's, it's a nascent field. So how many other <coughs> companies, organizations are doing what you do? A bunch, I'd say. A bunch. Okay. They're like specialized, just niche in this area. But the big ones are all coming in, right? Like they're all putting together these teams. And I'm convinced that in let's say 2025, a lot of these folks will start to do what I'm doing, especially on the adoption side, right? Like working with the energy companies, working with the banks, because for them, it's new territory. You know, they right. also, they don't connect. It's like, you know, satellites are useful right. for you. You need to take it seriously because historically this data was used only by defense uh, and intelligence. So the DOD right. has been the biggest customer of this data uh, for obvious okay. reasons, for, you know, for reconnaissance, for intelligence, not just in the U.S., in, you know, different parts of the world. Everywhere. That's, that's been the size right. goal for this industry. For every everywhere else, it's been like, you know, oh, let's try and use it. Because they were not kind of observing the same spot in a very high frequency, it was not that useful. Or they were, you know, not, you know, high resolution, which means that the accuracy of the picture was not good enough. Like, you can't see much from the picture. So, you know, you can't really go and sell or do something with it. But then in the last 10 years, because this data has started to become more available, and some of that is free because it's from um, you know the governmental programs. So people are just starting to take that data, play with it, see what's possible. There, there are some things that have already started to happen, right? Like let's say you're going to buy a house in the U.S. And in the U.S., this data is, I think, free now. 
you can get a property risk score of like, you know, what, how good is it? You know, is it in a floodplain? Uh, is it safe? Is it going to be okay in 10 right. years? You get a score uh, and that score already has satellite data yeah. like underlying it. People just don't realize it, but this kind of yeah. information has started it's to there. come out. It's a new app in a way, okay. if that makes sense. But, you know, this wouldn't have existed 10 years ago because the data to kind of derive this index that people understand was not there. But now it's right. starting to become available. And, you know, that's just one example. It can be for emissions. It can be for, especially the climate market is a big push because, yeah, it, it, gives, the, it gives the data some kind of a purpose or like an end result to, to focus on. And, um, and, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of, well, of course, there's a lot of work to be done in right. making use of all that data because every day, like soon tens of thousands of gigabytes of data will come down. It's about the atmosphere. It's about, it's about you know, our oceans. It's about, you know, the rainforests, well, everything about the world, right? So, but then we need to start using it. <laughs> I was just about to say, I bought, I just moved it into a new house last summer and I wish I had known. <laughs> I don't even, don't even think about it, but. Yes, I wonder if it's, that it's still in early information phase, would have know. been available. Right, yeah, it's still in early right, phase. Right. So, you know, but I expect all of these to become like kind of mainstream, right? Like if you're yeah. if you're both on the buyer side or you're on the real estate side, right? Why right. would you make an investment to, to build right. something or, you know, to start something? You know, the recent news about the Chinese satellite over U.S. soil. Oh, the balloon, not a satellite. The, the balloon. The stratospheric yeah. balloon, yeah. What, what, right. What was your take on that? What was your understanding of it? Their point of view was, oh, it was a, a balloon uh, that was there right. for collecting weather data. Um, and then it just kind of went off course. Is that bullshit? <laughs> well, it's very, very unlikely that it is collecting weather information because it's not going to be useful. It's not super useful. Like even in the US, weather balloons yeah. are launched, I think like twice a day or three times a day because they are good at taking instant measurements the, re the reason you're doing it three times a day is because they figured out that okay this part of the world or in this part of the u.s this is the time we go and launch it we just measure what the temperature or whatever it is uh in that right. height and we include it in the model to make sure that the forecast is correct so they do it on demand they don't do it like persistent you know they that's not a good use case at all if it's so right. good the u.s would be doing it europe would be doing it but they're not. Right. So it just doesn't make sense. It's not logical that that was collecting weather data. So whatever they said seems to be, you know, almost false information. So, but also yeah. on the other hand, they have a lot of satellites. The Chinese have yeah. a lot of satellites. So they Do they have, have the most? Like what country has, does, does the U.S. have the most? The U.S., yeah, yeah. The U.S. have the okay. most satellites. But then from, a, let's say, the intelligence gathering reconnaissance perspective, the, Ch the Chinese have quite a few satellites up there that are comparable to what the U.S. have in terms of performance, right? Like how accurately okay. can it scan? So whatever they're trying to scan, there's a good chance they already have that information from the satellite. So it just seems like, uh, for me, the bottom line is there was some sort of a technical failure and they are unwilling to acknowledge it for you know obvious reasons because they don't want to think or you know push that message onto their general public. I think that's the bottom line because... There's a good chance it weird away from where it was supposed to go. And yeah, it, it just doesn't seem likely for some reason. And, that, and I, I know nothing about this stuff, but yeah, I was like, you really? can make logical you, guesses, a right? A satellite like, that yeah. went off course? Really? I don't. 
Like, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're the Chinese. You guys don't do that stuff. <laughs> but, but they do it, but they're just probably unwilling to kind of, you know, admit it. Admit it. Yeah. Admit the technical fa- failure. I know you had mentioned in one of your, in your, on your talk that I saw from your website that there are more, there's 700 satellites out there right now that are observing the Earth. More Is than that. that. Still more than, those more are, than that. Outdated. Outdated. So probably now it's probably okay. double that. It's probably double that at double this point. Double that. Yeah. And then what percentage of those satellites are from the U.S.? Uh, three okay. fourths of those satellites are probably from the U.S. It is just because a lot of these companies that are launched, because historically it's been only the agencies. So okay. and it mostly came from Europe and the U.S., even though, you know, India and China and Japan and a couple of countries in Latin America, um, they all have uh, satellites as well. But then historically, the companies that were starting to be founded, and it's called the so-called new space era, where right, right. Space is, old space was, you know, governments say, because there are other companies that build satellites as well, but then they don't build to launch for themselves. It's like the governments will say, I want to launch a satellite to do this. And the company will go and build it to them, uh, build it for yeah. them. And the government launches it. That's it. So that's how it's been. And then it's kind of out of their hands. It's, it's the yeah. government satellite. That's, that's... And, they, and there must be satellites out there that we, of course, don't know about, right? You mean like military satellites or what do you mean? Yeah. Yeah, they, they have satellites that people don't know what they do. You know, like, are they capable of like super high uh, observe, like quality observations, which means that, you know, right. you can, I mean, by physics, you can't really see someone. So, you know, physics does not allow you allow you to do that. But then, you okay. know, you can get to, you know, you, you can get to a place where you can spot a car from, from space. You know, that's possible. So I don't wow. know if that resolution is available. Uh, it's called resolution or okay. accuracy because nobody talks about it, right? It's, uh, it's classified. Right. But, and I'm sure that, you know, when I was talking about China, so not just the U.S., comparably other countries, especially, you know, Israel is very good. Um, in, in reconnaissance satellites for their own, you oh, know, really? for, for, for obvious uh, reasons for reasons, their yeah. intelligence. So, you know, not, I'm just saying, it's just to say that it's not just the U.S., but of course the U.S. has the highest, uh, let's say, capabilities in orbit. But, you know, it's all, they're also starting to freak out a little bit because, you know, the Chinese are coming. Well, when it started, it was the Russians, right? So in the 60s, the motivation was all of the course. Russians. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They took a wrong turn, though. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, what about India? Like, how, how is India in the satellite race, if, it's, if that's what you want to call space it? Space race, you call it. <laughs> space race. I'm yeah. calling it satellite race in the, on this one, but yeah, space yeah, race. Yeah, the space race. Well, India has kind of been an interesting agency because historically they have done things their own way. You know, we've sent, you know, an orbiter on Mars, which made the news quite a lot. Uh, we tried to send uh, a lander, something that lands on the moon years ago and it failed on landing unfortunately so we're going to do another try probably the, this year or next year and we're going to have our own astronaut program oh wow this year or next year the program okay. is called Gagin and I forgot what it's what they're called they're not called astronauts you know they are dependent on countries so okay. the, the, the Russians are called cosmonauts um, right the US is astronauts it was a very okay. Indian sounding knot. Oh, you know? of course, of course. <laughs> Something sound. voila. Okay. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> the, knot, the knot should be there, but then the first part of that had some kind of Sanskrit word in it. So, you know, we stick to our... Yeah, why not? Yeah, why of not? course, we need to do that, right? Yeah, so, you need, need to do that. Yeah, yeah but course. then we also have like a bunch of satellites for, you know, for the obvious reasons for navigation, for weather, for the planet, for communication. So... You know, the usual kind of satellites, we already have them. 
Right. But again, people again don't know much about it because they're like they don't pay attention to India as much, right? So it was it really isn't hasn't been on the map for sure. the space race. It's starting right? to be. Yeah. Uh, sorry, it's starting to be for sure. So ultimate mission. Mm-hmm. What's your what do you, what is your ultimate mission with with TerraWatch Space, or is it evolving? It of course it keeps evolving. Uh, yeah, but I think for now the the goal is essentially what's on the website, right? Like one, improve the awareness, and then to support the adoption of the data. Eventually, I know, like I said, in three four years, the big consulting companies are going to come in because a lot of technologies are have started to be used by these big Fortune five hundred companies because you have a, right. A PwC or a McKinsey come in and say, you know what, this cloud thing, you need to start using it because it's going to give you these benefits. This is how you adopt it. And then they gave them some consultants who started help, uh, helping them to adopt it. It's the same thing with cloud. It's the same thing with things like SAP or Salesforce or whatever companies try to do that. Consultants right. are always involved. So at that point, I may need to kind of pivot. But then thankfully, I have another kind of the communication side of the business which I think right. I can double down on. I think that's going to be the right. goal. So the adoption would probably be, I can do it still, you know, supporting the, the larger consulting companies, but then the awareness or the communication part will probably become the main kind of goal. Because again, there's cool. no, I don't know of any website that's covering what's going on in this market. Right. Let's say they, they had a new scientific study that that figured out that, I don't know, they can figure out or they can spot like new ways of identifying, okay, this tree, you know, it's going to get unhealthy quite soon. Then we can go and figure out, you know, there are a lot of ways that trees just get, or the ways fires start, right? Like wildfires. So if you plant this tree and this tree and this tree together, because one of them is resistant, the fire is not going to spread well. You know, things like that, we're going to get, there's a lot of science that goes behind it. And I don't know of any media that's looking at this, reporting this part of the say the business, you can find media that talks about like, you know, what's happening on the other side of the world in or the side of the galaxy and like what's happening to the star. And so you see pieces of uh, pieces like that on, on the media, but you don't see things that are based on satellite data. So I feel like there is a there is a niche that I can still focus on, which doesn't deviate right. from what I'm trying to do now. So I think that's probably the, the goal now. <laughs> we'll see. Again, I don't know as much, but seems like, look, you're becoming, you grab that kind of hole that was need, needed to be filled and you're becoming a, a leading expert on it. So keep going because like you said, yeah. it's still nascent. Like there's not that many voices out there. I'll be asking for your autograph soon, my friend. Oh my God. Hmm. <laughs> so projects you're working on this year that you can talk about that you're doing. The first thing is I want to create a course. Um, okay. The course is for people who want to come into this industry and they have to know a few things. So if you've been someone who's been a product lead working in a software company or you've been like a salesperson again working in a software company if you're a product lead and you helped build i don't know twitter or facebook that's you're trying to build an app and you know it had some tech stack in it what people are trying to do in this industry is also trying to build apps except this app is an app for like property risk we talked about right like right but just the tech stack is going to look different and people who are building it are not like building it in Java. They are going to use satellite data, which has its own kind of tech stack and pipeline right. and all that. So, or if you have an experience just building a product, because this, this industry need badly needs people like that because here it's been in a bubble 
So they can only okay. think in one way. You know, they can't think in another way. Like there are a lot of things that the app companies have done so well, right? Like they packaged it so well. We like it. We use it every day. And this industry needs products like that. Or if you've been on the sales side or if you've been in the marketing side, there are not a lot of people talking about this in a way that makes sense. But that's been yeah. someone's job for, I don't know, even I, I sometimes I make fun, like people who have been in ad tech, like uh, this industry, which sold ads or built products for making people click. At some point, I, I have a feeling they will kind of lose meaning in their life and they want to start searching for doing something. So what yeah. I want to do is essentially yeah. create a course that acts as a, like an entry point for them. So you finish this course, then you can just go and join a company. And, uh, but then those companies, the satellite data companies, or companies that are building products from satellite data, they're struggling to attract people because the people have no idea why they should apply to right. this company. It's, right. I don't see the point, like you're sending satellites up and I have nothing to do with, you know, what you're offering, right? So right. I have a feeling like- you can, you can be that bridge. Yeah. And I can kind right. of help them get into it and kind of point the the right way. You're like the cheerleader for for this industry. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Trying to do yeah. it. Yeah. Trying to do yeah, it. Yeah, that's awesome. So we'll see. Trying we'll see how it goes. Build, build your own masterclass on it, basically. That's kind of the, I want to have the starting point this year and launch the course. Um, that's one project. And the second project is kind of make that physical, which is more of uh, organizing a conference. Because I have a feeling like this needs people to get together. Uh, from both right. sides of the picture, right? So it's not just the satellite folks talking with ourselves about things that we already know, but then also bringing in, you know, the bankers and the insurers and people who are in agriculture and people who are doing like disaster management thing. Like, what do you need? Right. You know, how do you need it? So that we'll, we know like what the use is for what we're right. trying to build. So try and organize a conference, but that's more of probably going to move to 2024 because it's a huge deal. As you might know, it's not easy putting together. God, ha going back to these conferences and events in real life the past year and a half, you just realize how important it is. Mm -hmm. Like you can only do so much over Zoom, yep. you know. <laughs> or like virtual events. It's, uh, you know. Virtual events. The impact is just like not even close to 100% in what it yeah. is in real life. It makes such a big difference. So I'm glad we're pretending COVID is over. You kind of briefly mentioned when you were talking that you were, you know, I know you did your bachelor's in computer science, your master's degree in international business, and then your master's in space studies as well. I'm always curious about childhood and, you know, growing up. Sure. Did your fascination begin then uh, when you're growing up in India? Nope. Uh, okay, it didn't. So no. <laughs> there was no particular there time no, or story. There's no, okay. there's no like, you know, I was never a space geek. I didn't watch space movies or anything. That's why I was kind of like the odd one out when I'm in a group with the people here because they're like, ooh, we were always interested yeah. in space books or we was Star Trek or I never was Star Trek. Because that's so, usually the case. Yeah, I know. It's usually the case <laughs> with people that worked in space. It's, there's always a childhood, yeah. a movie or something clicked with them. Where they're like, this is what I want to do. Yeah, I think it was not my childhood. For me, it was more uh, when I was in my software job. You know, I had already moved to Europe uh, from India. And I started out in software, like I said. So I got sick of coding. So I decided to move to the business side of things. Which is when I moved to France and did my master's in business. And then I was still working in software on the sales business development side of things. And then I was kind of sick of things. And I think at that point, uh, Interstellar came out. So I saw Interstellar and I, I got very geeky about it. And I loved the movie. And eventually that led me to meet a couple of people who were like, oh, you seem very interested. Like, why don't you just go into the space industry and try something out? Right. And I was like, yeah, let's give it a try. 
And I kind of put in everything that I had saved into like this one master program, like a huge uh, risk. And at that point, you know, that's the point the family started, you know, ignoring and just like, okay, do what you want. I have no well, idea just, what you're I trying to do. I just about to ask you about the, <laughs> the, the family, because like, yeah. we all know our Indian families. We love yeah. them, but were they like, what the hell are you? I mean, I guess you're an adult already, so they're probably like, fine, go ahead. Well, that, that was part one, right? Like when I moved to Europe and so that part was already exhausted. So, you know, I had lost that That's true. strike because I had like, right. they're like, you want to move to France? Like, why? Because everybody moves to the US and we had, we knew nobody who moved to France. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. So I moved to France. So I felt like I used up that strike of, yeah. you know, oh, you're an adult, you can make your decision. And then I said, you know what? Remember, I have uh, some money. I put all of that into one basket and it's in space and... At that point, you know, they stopped caring. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't think they still know what I do. Yeah. So that's that's okay. Yeah. I think it's true of a lot of parents. It's like, we have no idea. Once I edit this podcast, I'm going to send it to your parents and be like, this is what they do, on D- what he does on Dean Uncle. I, if I can understand, <laughs> you can understand. It's, it's yeah. all going to work out. Yeah, there's been no looking back. Yeah, so far, so that's good. That's amazing. I don't think I'll do this forever, though. No? No, no. You know what I want to do? There's an Indian connection to it. I want to start a restaurant in, well, potentially in Europe. I, I know that in the US, you have like, very, very good Indian restaurants. What I feel like in Europe is, you know, they don't know anything about South Indian food. You know, I'm from Chennai and we have our food. Uh, so yeah. I want to really just package it differently. I have a feeling, oh, maybe I'll just say it in the podcast and maybe somebody will start it. But what I want to do is have a vegan spin on South Indian food. Because what I realized was a lot of the food that we're eating in the South, whether it's sambar or dosa, most of it, I mean, if you don't add ghee to it, most of it's just vegan food and you can just right. package it and sell it differently right. to this new crowd that seems crazy about food that is vegan or so you just needs better packaging. I love it. I'm basically vegan. I, you know, I don't know. If I lived in India for three years and we were in Bangalore for a year and a half. And I'm telling, I mean, I grew up in the U.S., but still grew up eating Dalbat Shak Rotli, you know, and my my parents' favorite food is dosa idli, like South Indian. <laughs> of I never, never liked it. I always thought it was disgusting growing up. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Get to Bangalore, fell in love with it. Sure. Like just like I can have dosa. It's such good food. And I mean, I'm probably not saying it completely factually, but I feel like it's some of the healthiest food in India, South Indian. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're not selling it properly. We're just selling the heavy ones and i'm like what about because people are people sometimes don't want to eat it because they think it's too heavy and i'm like no you can well, just eat a Punjabi of- food is more popular because it is creamier and heavier exactly. yeah. and more uh meat heavy yep. you know so people it's easy to sell it's mm-hmm. an easy package yeah but dude south indian i love south india and i love love south india i think that's a genius idea i will totally come to your restaurant opening. Yeah, so we'll know. see. We'll see when. <laughs> It'll happen. Like you said, you're a, you're a jack of all trades. You never know. You never know. Okay, quick, fast round. So whatever comes to your mind first. Sure. At the end of your career, what do you want to be known for? Uh, well, in this case, you know, what we talked about, right? Like someone who had an impact on like, the awareness and the use of satellite data. You know, I don't want to put numbers or anything to it, but you know, if there's yeah. little impact, if there were like 10 people who came up to me and like, oh, you know, I read something or, you know, I attended your course or I just talked to you and I kind of got into it. That's good enough. Because I feel like inherently yeah. the use of that data, well, you know, there's a controversial topic of using satellite data for 
in the defense military context. But then if you take that away, everything else is like, it's for the public good, whether you're talking about weather or for looking at emissions or you're looking at risk of flood for city, all of those are like, so even if they are like someone who's going to create like, I don't know, a little database that serves to create that product, it's still, you know, they did something for a good cause. And it's imp- it's, it's still was, impact. Yeah, if there's a little impact that was from yeah. some sort of terror watch, whether it's from podcast or, you know, the consulting or just talking to me. Yeah, very cool. Who would your ultimate collaboration be this year? And if any, you, you could work with anyone in the world. Oh, interesting. Oh, I think with the, the name that comes to mind is, you know, astronaut Chris Hadfield, who... I don't. He's a Canadian astronaut. And I had the opportunity, like, kind of honor to meet uh, here in Paris, like, uh, last couple of days, because he was in a session cool. where, you know, I'm also a part of that program. And, uh, well, I met him and, you know, I heard him talk. And he's kind of a very charming astronaut. Uh, he, he's the one, I don't know if you, you should have probably seen or some... People would have probably seen like videos of him playing guitar in the ISS and singing. Okay, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to look it up. Yeah, yeah, he's he's like very charismatic and he kind of pushes the message about space. But he has like a very good message and a way of packaging and talking, which just very okay. very, you know, it just attracts people. So okay, I have a feeling like you know I can use his service and have him talk a little bit about what satellites do and you know how useful data is. That'd be great. Maybe I'll just have him on the podcast, you know? (laughs) You should, totally. Three people you would want to have dinner with, dead or alive. Three? Oh, usually people saw the one. Two two more. Whatever. I was thinking more of like a round table. Yeah, oh, like that, okay. Oh, I don't know if all of them would want to be together. So the first one I think that comes to my mind is probably Gandhi. It's just like, I'm just curious, Mm -hmm. like how the hell... Dude, how the mm-hmm. hell did you manage to do like what you did, the guts that you had, right? Like, let the entire country boycott and that's how I'm going to get the British away. Like, and then, you know, a couple of countries try to follow suit and, you know, try and adopt the same kind of no violence approach. So that's number one. Number two would, uh, let's say it's almost like a dominant, who can I say? A dominant can be a queen, it can be... I'm thinking about Marie Antoinette. I'm thinking about it. Oh, it's just so like, cool. how did they also have, it's kind of similar to Gandhi's, like, how right. did you manage? Because people were thinking very, very differently back then. But then, yeah. like, someone took, took randomly guts. comes out. Uh, yeah, the third would be, yeah, probably John Lennon. Mm, good one. Good roundtable. I think it'd be a fun roundtable. Yeah, from different centuries, I suppose, yeah. Yeah. And last question. So I know you had mentioned on your talk that Apollo 8, I believe, is the most underrated mission. If you could go back in time, what mission would you go on and why? Yeah, I would probably want to go on Apollo. Not that one, actually. I want to, I want to go on Apollo 13. If you know the story of Apollo 13, it's, it's a movie. I and... feel like I should. That movie with Tom Hanks. Yeah, exactly, yeah. The story is incredible. <laughs> it's the so fa- sad. That's, that's the only thing I know. Yeah, so. but the fact that they made it alive is just incredible. And the fact yeah. that I guess people came together and, you know, just Brought pulled the world it together. It, it seemed like yeah. it, it's, it's a miracle. It's like a real miracle, the way it worked out. And yeah, again, it's, it can get a little technical, maybe, but... Um, well, just, you know, high level, you can understand the story and what's going on. Yeah. 
possibly yeah. that. But probably I have an, another answer is, well, I have to be on the mission. Yeah, that's that's the question. It's not just, okay, then, then yeah, that doesn't count because, you know, there's the other one that is now Voyager, which is now, you know, going outside the solar system. Yeah. So, but it's not really a human vehicle, you know, it's just a satellite that's now outside the solar system now, almost. So, it's so just, when did that launch? Oh, that was in the 80s. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Uh, that's the spacecraft that kind of turned, or at least Carl Sagan, um, who is like a science communicator. Uh, right. He he made the Voyager when it was around near Saturn, I think. Turn around and take a picture of the Earth. And that was the kind of the origin of pale blue dot, if you yes, heard. Yes. It's like the yep. tiny speck uh, and kind of put everything in perspective. And, you know, people, and I ha- people, I don't think people gave him permission. I think that's the story. Like, yeah. what, what are you trying to do? Like, uh, and then he was like, oh, it's going to be great for my communication. And, you know, let's just try and do this. And, uh, and yeah, and then he pulled it off. And now it's like everywhere. I mean, yeah. there are two images. One is that, but that is not a pretty image because you can't even see the sun in that, right. in that image, right? So that is pretty famous. If not, it's the one that I kind of talked about in the talk about the uh, Earthrise. Yeah, so Earthrise, Earthrise, yes. Yeah, so. That's just an epic legendary picture yeah it's crazy <laughs> it's insane yeah so i think it's good to get that perspective to realize that we are just a speck yeah yeah and you know people are trying to do that with space tourism and it's, it's yeah kind of, you know it's kind of gotten crazy because of the people involved in and the way they're executing it again but my, my philosophy is i don't think i need to go up there you know if i had the opportunity and it was like a thousand dollars I'd probably go up. Yeah, but uh, how mu- how much is it to take a tour of space? Like a billion? It's it's no, <laughs> it's between. I think you can get it for a quarter quarter million, two hundred fifty thousand dollars to oh. half a million. Yeah, half a million. That's not too bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if people are doing that for the right reason. I expect probably them to- not. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, yeah. so I, exp- I I hope they do it. You know, also more equitably, and you know, give a lot yeah. more. It's start starting to happen slowly. Um, right. So you, right. Know, you can't just have like folks from the US go come back and they, they want to go like send artists and people up. But take, you take, can't, a, take a selfie up there and then come back. Yeah. Like you can't have like influencers or just artists from one country go there. Right. Like you, you need right. to have like different people go up and, you know, see, see it for themselves. And it's starting to happen slowly. So, but it's not, yeah. it's not fast enough or it's not like diverse enough. It's still like, right. if you have conversations about like what's going to happen on the moon and you know, if you're going to land and we're going to make use of the resources, like it's like the Western countries are on the table and deciding how the way forward is. So it almost seems like, you know, 14th, 15th century when yeah. a couple of countries decided what to do with the US and well, the Americas uh, in general. Yep. You don't want to yeah. repeat that, right? So that's yeah. the direction it's going. So, you know, I can't be utopian. I also have to see that. Yeah, totally. Now this was awesome. Okay, so now I understand what you do. Yeah, it yeah. took it took forty five <laughs> minutes, right? So forty five minutes to help. So not too bad. You know, I feel smarter after that interview. What an interesting journey Urban has taken, and I truly expect big things from him. You guys, please check out his website, terrawatchspace.com. And I don't say this about everyone, but you should really follow his newsletter. 
It is super interesting and has content that you just won't get anywhere else. Kind of like mine. Amitucker.substack.com. <clears throat> As always, you can follow me at Tucker.podcast, Tucker.withami.com. Lots of fun interviews coming up, lots of fun travel coming up for the podcast. So stay tuned. Thank you for listening. This is Tuckered Out.